listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network, GarbageHillNetwork.com. Hi, this is Tom from Zucchini Drive, and you're listening to Witch Police Radio.
so uh, welcome to uh, Wish Police Radio. This is irregular host Rob. Um, Sam and Ryan aren't here today. But uh, today I'm joined by um, guest Patrick, a.k.a. Pipskid. Hi, Pipskid. Hi. And uh, all the way from Kortrick, Belgium, uh, one half of Zucchini Drive, Tom the Heater. Hi, Tom. <laughs> hey, Rob. Hey, Patrick. <laughs> How are you, Tom? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. I'm good. Um, so we're going to do uh, this episode a little different than most uh, Witch Police radio episodes. Um, we haven't picked a theme for this one. We're just going to uh, kind of use it as an introduction to uh, Tom's music, just because a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably from Winnipeg and are wondering why uh, we have an artist from Europe on the show. So uh, we'll get into that. So the, the reason we have Zucchini or half of Zucchini Drive on the show uh, today is because uh, Zucchini Drive has a new record coming out. Finally, finally, we worked on it three. We worked on it for three years. So, yeah, finally. Cool. And so, and w- when is the release date on it? Sorry, that was my phone. Third uh, of November. Third of November is coming out. It's a, It's a, the first part we're doing a double EP. The first. Uh, the first EP is coming out on uh, November. On the CD and digital, and then uh, in January or February, the second half will come out, and then hopefully a vinyl as well. So, okay. So, what's uh, the difference between the two releases? Um, we're trying to. I mean, we made so many songs that it. I don't. I don't like one-hour-long albums. I rather split them up in like two thirty-minute albums because it's. Then you also like we can keep on working on new songs in the meanwhile and try to skip whatever we are not a hundred percent on uh, and and release that as an EP again. So it's not. It's I mean, so so all those uh, throwaway songs are not are not on an album just because it has to be an album. So right. That's a little bit of the idea. So okay, and uh... and also we try. We're also trying to have a concept in the whole thing. Uh, the first record is called Charlotte's Basement, and the second album is probably going to be called Somebody Else's Whatever. So it's like some sort of concept that we have. It's going to go through the artwork and, and the titles and stuff like that as well. That's a little bit of the idea that we have. And then and then the vinyl is going to come together with all the different artwork that we that we made for it. What does it That's have to idea. do with Charlotte's Basement? Because we shot all the cover <laughs> the cover footage there. That's the only the only idea, and also because we thought it sounded it sounded nice, so that's the only reason. And it's a little bit like with Zucchini Drive, we also we always had the uh, for titles and stuff. Everything is little is is very subtle and kind of like left for interpretation. It's not like it doesn't necessarily need to be as realistic as it is when I'm doing solo stuff and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's there's no real meaning behind anything that we're doing, so. So we, we heard a uh, Zucchini Drive song, a new one. I think it was premiered here, maybe, um, at the top of the show. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what what was that? What was that song called? And can you can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, it's a song called "The Chaser," and it's uh, the last song that we recorded for the EP, and also the one that we were like immediately like, okay, we got to put this out as a single. And um, we shot we shot a video for it, which is probably going to be out by the time. Everybody hears this. 
and uh, it's also shot in in Charlotte's basement, and it's like tied together with the cover and stuff like that. So again, again, all the 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 content and the lyrics are it's more like about the sounds and the and the music and trying to have like an overall feeling through all the the whole records more than actually having specific things to say on the on the songs. The the vocals are kind of like used more as a as an atmospheric part of the of the of the song more than actually having a meaning to it and like trying to like put a message out there or something like that. There's, there's no real, I mean, because you guys, I mean, you guys uh, kind of started as a hip hop group, Zucchini Drive. That's fair yeah. enough to say, right? Mm-hmm. And then you guys have been moving progressively in in a more of like an electronic um, direction. So. What was the inspiration for going from something like a hip hop, you know, like making hip hop songs where the message is such a big, uh, important part of it, um, to making these uh, more electronic songs where it's more about the beats and more using vocals as like atmosphere uh, stuff? Yeah. Well, the the, the thing is, uh, both of us are not native English speakers. And especially me, like my my accent and everything is less good than a native speaker. Like it's always been like a a, a thing that that you have to deal with. And and as for Marcus, who's been living in the UK for uh, for fifteen years, his his English is super good. And he but he took a step back from hip hop already ten years ago. And and I've been I've been listening to others. Uh, uh, a lot of other types of music for the last 15 years as well. I mean, you, you do after you get after you get to be like 20 or 22 or whatever, you're 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 trying to like broaden your horizon a little bit instead of you listen to the latest rap records that come out. I mean, at, at least that's that's for me the case. And uh, we try to we try to make our music as honest as possible and and try to get it influenced by the, the things that we're actually excited about on the moment when we make it. Which makes it hard for us to actually push now because it's always it can always it can always be something completely different than the last thing. Right. Um, but always, on the other hand, it keeps us it keeps us fresh and it keeps us excited about making new stuff. Like it, it doesn't necessarily needs to need to need to sound exactly like what people expect from us. So, but uh, the whole trying to be like less less content in the lyrics is. It's something that I I, I, tr- I tend to do that in my solo stuff because it's more because it's more rap based like you say and and then with Zucchini Drive you try to go in another direction so it keeps it interesting for me as well to have two different things when I'm producing so I know exactly like what is for Zucchini Drive and what is for whatever else rap rap project that I have going on so so uh, we should say that you're so you you're you go by the name Speed Dial Seven in your solo stuff. Um, so you touched on something that I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, you live in Kortrijk, Belgium, and um, your partner in Zucchini Drive, uh, Marcus, uh, he lives in London, England. And so that's kind of a that's kind of a weird concept for us in Canada because the cities here are so far apart. How does it work for you guys living in different countries and still being able to make albums together? Well, it used to, it used to be mostly over the internet but over over the last couple of years we tried to, we tried to we tried to do like everything when we were in the same place that's also why albums take a little bit longer than they used to 
we uh, instead of sending stuff back and forth, also with our jobs and all the side projects that we have going on, it's uh, easier to actually work on albums when Marcus is is coming to Belgium and or I'm going to London, which is only an hour and a half with the train. If you take a Eurostar under the channel here in uh, in France, it's it's an hour and a half uh, to go from my house to his house. So right. it's it's actually the length of, of a trip is as much of for Marcus to go to his work as for me to actually go from Belgium to London. Wow. Which is crazy. Like it's, yeah. it's I mean the distance is way longer, but it's it's just transportation is really good between those two countries. So in that way we're kinda lucky that I, th I think the combination of us two working together, if he would live in a complete different space in, the, in England or, or somewhere else in, in Europe, it would probably be more difficult to work in that way than we are working right now. And, if and we have a show, Marcus can also can also easily take a train down here and play two or three shows and go back home. So right. it's easy to do stuff like So Marcus is from uh, Sweden originally. Um, how did you guys like? How did you guys meet? How did you guys link up? And how did you start making music together? Marcus was living in Paris at the time, uh, which was two thousand and two, and we had our first we had our first big show with the band that was called Cave and Speak. Uh, that was the first thing that I did, and um, he was he. I mean, everybody used to be on these these random vinyl compilations back then, and to to build a network. You kind of meld with all those bands that were that were on the on the compilation, and and, and that way we kind of got in touch, and and we, we met for one song that he did on the Cayman Speak album, and then we then I did a side project with him called The World After Horror uh, Two, and from there on we we, we started working together because it, it was it was fun to to work in that way, and we both had like a, a very we had a similar mentality of like not trying to like make one genre of music but mixing up everything that we that we like and try to try to go from there that's 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 how Zucchini Drive got started so you know, you know, it was also it was also at, it was also at the right moment because around 2003 2004 there were more than one band that came out with that kind of concept of like from the moment it used to be from the moment you did something outside of hip hop it, it would be called crossover or whatever but but like it, it, like the early 2000s, it was it was easier to kind of start mixing indie music without without making it sound cliche or like too rock too rocky with with like rappers rapping on top of it. It, it, it. You could easily hear like take electronic music and and you know there. It, it was it was the right time to do something like that, I guess. Patrick, do you have a question? No. Good. Um... Just gonna say, <laughs> say a smart ass comment, but okay. it's past. You cut me off. <laughs> okay, so uh, yes. let's get into uh, you, you have, that's what I'm here for. You have you have another uh, new or newish kind of zucchini drive. You want to play for us? Uh, we got the last single, uh, which came out in June, which is called "Forget Paris." And um, is this off your that's new? A song. Is this Don't coming out as well? Is okay. So this is coming off the new EP. Yeah. Do you want to tell us anything about it, like where it came from, how uh, you came up with it? Uh, exactly the same as the last song. It's um, it's something that you gotta listen to. It's not. It's not. There's no message to it or whatever. It's just just pop, good rock and roll music. <laughs> it's okay. not. Okay, let's. Uh, so let's play. It. This is uh, "Forget Paris" uh, from the new Zucchini Drive album out in early November. I'm picking olives. Oh, oh, oh. 
It's the bitterness, the acid, the, the stringency. The, it's just so bitter, bitter. It's just, I, I mean, I, I know very few things which have tasted so bad that it can be turned to something absolutely. Like I was on hold with like a uh, fucking water company or something. 
<laughs> you're on hold with a travel company. Forget Paris. So that was uh, that was Forget Paris by Zucchini Drive off the new uh, upcoming EP, uh, Charlotte's Basement. Or I don't know. I don't know when this is going to come out. So that's either the upcoming or or just released. Uh, third, third of November, yeah, but, yeah. Third of November, either we'll way. See. Yeah. So, uh, where can people? Where will people be able to get it? Uh, the physical CDs, and where will they be able to get it uh, downloaded digitally? And marathon of dot com. Okay. Marathon of dot com. So, yeah, that sounds great. Like when that when you guys put the video out. Um, when you guys put the video out and put the song on SoundCloud, I listened to it a bunch. I really like that song. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah, so um, you were saying. I think Patrick enjoyed it as well. <laughs> so, so something I find uh, something I find really interesting about uh, you, Tom, is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you learned how to speak English from Friends reruns. Is that right? That's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing. <laughs> That's the first thing I heard about that. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take it. <laughs> But but you did but you, you we pulled that right off your Wikipedia <laughs> yeah off your bio. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously though you did learn English from watching like television and listening to music right like you never took English in school isn't is that true yeah no 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 we t- we took English in school as well <laughs> okay well uh, this, but, uh, this whole relationship yeah, been a lot. Well. no 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 but the, ba- the there there is there is a there is a thing that you can see all around Europe the the countries that the English is a little bit less good at where people are a little bit less good at English is where movies are dubbed so I guess it's a little bit about you you're, you're kind of right maybe not Friends reruns but <laughs> I mean <laughs> things like that I guess. So, okay, so you guys, um, so Kini Drive has done like a lot of uh, collaborative stuff too. Um, what, like what was your last release? That was the, the, the collaboration EP with Mike Ladd that you did? Yeah. The Make God yeah. Cry? That was, uh, something, that was something we, we, uh, we worked on over a year as well. And it was, it was based on productions that we did that didn't fit like the, the concept of or the sounds of the of the album that we're making right now, and uh, we took those to Mike Ladd and, and asked asked him to to write some vocals for that, and it, it turned out amazing. Uh, it was four songs and three remixes. Mike and me both uh, remixed two of the songs, I think, or it was eight songs. No, it was eight songs. Sorry, it had been since January. Um, there were there were eight songs, and um, yeah, we went back and forth again. He came uh, Paris. Paris is as well one hour and a half with the train from here, same as London is. And uh, so I went to Paris a couple of times to meet up with him, and he came here as well to to finish the finish finish the record with us. And uh, we have we we we've had plans to actually make a a full album because the reactions to that EP was were, were really positive. So okay, so, so. and Mike Mike has always Mike Lada has always been. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. Inspiration is a big word, but he he was one of the people that got me into like making my own music. Uh, with his "Welcome to the After Future" release, can you can you tell us a little bit about who like who Mike Ladd is? Because obviously, like he's you know he's he's kind of been a fixture for people who are into underground rap for the past twenty years or so. But um, some, some... Well, Mike Mike Ladd, Mike, Ladd is, Mike Ladd is one of those names that everybody who's 
making music kind of knows. It's one of those figures that everybody has respect for, but but never like kind of broke through the way LP broke through or, or you know, with his Run the Jewels and everything. But he's friends with all those guys. He used to live in Brooklyn and now he's been living in Paris for the last 12 years. And we met him, we met him a bunch of times uh, playing shows around Europe and we always clicked and this, the, his mentality is kind of similar as ours. And that's how we got into talking and, and you know, he did he did some collaborations. Uh, he did some things for me when I was working on my solo project, Speed Out 7. And then afterwards we started talking into doing a joint project with Zucchini Drive because Mike also worked with uh, Marcus's first band, Stax Stamina, back in the day. But maybe that's already getting a little bit too complicated with all the names and, you know, maybe I uh, should shut up now. What are... Uh... So you, so you guys have collaborated with Mike Ladd. What are some other collaborations you guys have done? Uh, for uh, Shotgun Rules, we worked with M. Saeed from Anti-Pop Consortium. Uh, we worked with Marcus Aker from The No Twist, who's also known for 13 and Gods, which, which, which came out on Anti-Com. Um, You're like an underground rap a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, I mean, Grand, Grand Buffet was on one of our records. Patrick was on one of our records, I think. Yeah, that's what was I'm he? saying. Maybe not. Yeah, we, we, we did a song with Patrick. Um, yeah, and then, and then I, I mean, it's very hard to keep collaborations apart from my solo projects and, and Zucchini Drive. Like, everything is a little bit like blurry when it comes to that so do you do you have any like um do you have any collaborations or, or guest features uh, planned for the new zucchini drive record oh i know where you're getting to <laughs> <laughs> rob crooks is gonna be on the record as oh well. geez <laughs> didn't he write the whole fucking thing what a surprise <laughs> <laughs> no rob rob uh, wrote a wrote a song for uh for um for the second ep it's not gonna be on the first ep it's probably news for you as well, but not good enough, <laughs> I guess. You gotta be on it. It's gonna be in January. Oh, okay. Anybody else? But uh, also, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Ladd, and and we worked with a bunch of uh, all the music has been um, produced by Marcus and me, but except for uh, keyboards, everything else has been played by uh, uh, the bassist from a band called Amandra here in Belgium, which is a pretty big. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I should watch out with putting a label on that band. A little bit. I mean, it's rock, but it's hard, harder rock. It's not hard rock, but it's harder rock. Um, Mish from a, from a band called Super Genius has always been has always been a part of uh, all the records that we did on Marital of Dope. He's, he played guitar on on on, uh, on the new record as well. Um, and I'm thinking if I'm forgetting anybody else. Yeah, and then a violent a violent player from Kortrick, uh, Marie has always has also been on the record. We 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 work with a bunch of different people on 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 the record as well. But like as for real collaborations, it's only Mike Lads that are involved on in it. Okay, so let's uh let's get into uh, the new. Uh, well, there's one more Zucchini Drive song from the, from the new album, and it's uh, it's featuring Mike Ladd. You want to tell us a little bit about it? It's a song that Mike wrote in the, uh, for uh, the Make Up Project, but 
it fitted better on this record than it actually fitted on Make Up Cry. And it's only him on the vocals. And uh, I mean, I'm not gonna talk too much about the content, but you'll probably understand when you hear uh, when you hear the song. And what's it called? It's called Wellesley, which is a school in uh, Massachusetts, apparently. Okay, Wellesley, Zucchini Drive featuring Mike Ladd. That was uh, well- Wellesley. <laughs> Thank you a lot. Thank you. That, that was Wellesley by uh, Zucchini Drive uh, featuring Mike Ladd. So that was basically Mike Ladd uh, singing about his history of masturbating, you were saying? Is that right, Tom? I guess, I guess it is. I mean, that's what, that's what I get from it. It's, his, his original title was, uh, uh, what was it again? Um, 80s Porn. And then between brackets, uh, a tribute to the Dark Brothers production team or something like that. Well, we we asked him to change that. 
don't know why. Black. Didn't feel right. You guys, you guys are self-censoring. What are you guys afraid of? No, I, I sent him. I sent him. I sent. I sent him a nice little text, and he sent me a text back with another title. Is what it was. Okay. Well. Uh, so. Oh, and also, 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 Nomad is on the record. By the way, I forgot to mention that. I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so okay, so uh, so people who are listening to this maybe still confused about why why a, a Winnipeg-based podcast is interviewing um, a European group. Um, so the reason because because we're your heroes because we're your big heroes that's why that's right because you've worked with so many of my, celebrities my past heroes so so many, so many people who are my heroes 15 years ago. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, 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 things that I, the things that I said were also 10 years ago, so that makes sense, right? Okay, sure. Um, right, so, but you, you also um, are half owner, I guess, of uh, the label Marathon Dope. Who, who owns the other half? Kim? <laughs> <laughs> your, your demon baby? <laughs> So well, I haven't talked to the other half in the last three years, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> okay, so you so you started Marathon of Dope with our with our other guest, who people will I'm sure know, uh, Pipskin. So uh, do you guys, one of you, want to uh, tell us a story about how you started the the label Marathon of Dope? Yeah, I want to hear this. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was like you, you and BJ and I. Um, yeah. Uh, Gumshoe Strut. And Bird, and, and Bird as well in some way. Well, just because Bird, Bird, we lived in Bird's house. And, okay. Yeah, that's about it. Bird Bird made sure we we didn't die. <laughs> made sure we had shelter with our late rent and fed us, shared his oatmeal with us when we didn't have money for groceries. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We were just... We were just feeling frustrated with a place to uh, put our music in that CDs weren't selling. And, and we tried to get ahead of the, uh, at the time, the pay what you can model was still pretty young. Like only, only a couple people had tried it. And we thought we would try and get ahead on that one. That we saw a future in that. And... Uh, the name, the name was a, the name Marathon of Dope, was something that I'd come up with years earlier, where uh, Ness and I were going to name a record that, and he was going to be. That's when he Ness's name was uh, uh, Terry Locks, and uh, I was going to call myself Pip Hansen for that record, and it would be called the Marathon of Dope based off of Terry Fox's Marathon of Hope with the idea that trying to run a independent rap label or career was similar to running down the highway in the rain with cancer coursing through your body and only one leg when no one cares which is Terry Fox's original journey as some of you may know uh, he left with just his friend in his van and people were actually like honking at him to get off the road and, and no one, uh, no one was interested in, in having him around until, until, uh, he hit Ontario or whatever. Um, 
And then, uh, and then you, Tom, you designed that that really confusing uh, logo for Marathon of Dope, which was a, a gay pride bear, uh, the rainbow bear. <laughs> two different. I remember you being two different visually that. strong symbols for 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 gay pride: a rainbow and a giant bear <laughs> for a rap label. So I mean, right from the right from the gate, man, we were we were destined to fail, you know. <laughs> I remember you sending me very excited mail back about that logo. Then that sugar pill, that sugar pill cover where we're all tonguing each other. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not my, not my choice. <laughs> but, uh, but how did you guys? How did you guys meet originally? Uh, what you, Tom? You would have emailed yeah, me. Yeah, tell the story about the Italian. No, that wasn't Italian. It was an American anarchistic band that you were on tour with. Bah. Um, <laughs> well, Tom, you would have you would have been emailing me. You would have been pestering me uh, when I lived in Halifax. When I when I, my I had like it was like uh, the wit- yeah. This this tie, this ties together with with whatever I said before. Is like if you're you. you I mean, in 2000, 2001, you used to be, everybody used to be on these compilations and you reach out to people and that's that's how I started as well, to, to try to put up shows in Kortrijk and then like try to try to do stuff over here because we didn't get that kind of acts over here and I knew a lot of people were touring. So I remember sending an email to Patrick At, uh, in 2001. It, it would have been... Got back to me in What's that? Took me like seven years. <laughs> you got back to 2008. <laughs> I lost. It's, it's a little bit like the Skype conversation here. <laughs> I didn't use my email that often. That was when I was. Uh, it was wickednut at hotmail.com. You would have emailed me at. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember getting an email from you. I think definitely you would have maybe sent me some music or something back then. But. Uh, and then, and then I I ended up. Going on tour in Europe with the, uh, with that fucking shitty anarchist group. Um, they were like husband and wife. The DJ is a nice guy. That woman was fucking hard to deal with. Um, and uh, and then I contacted you maybe to say I was in Europe because you were you were sort of the only contact yeah, yeah. I had in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, hey man, I'm coming to Europe or whatever." We had no, we had no Belgian shows, and I was like, "What?" I mean, really, because I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot. I had like geographically, I don't, I didn't really know where anything was in Europe at the time, and I was just like, "Fuck, I'm here, or I'm going there. I might as well contact the only person who's ever like contacted me from Europe about shows, aside from like albums or whatever," and. uh that crazy fucking Korchik festival was happening. So I left. I remember, well, the night before I met you, a very memorable evening for me, in a squat in Switzerland. And um, I don't think, because because I'm such a coward, I, I don't think that I told the people I was on tour with that I was leaving to Belgium that day until like that night. Maybe it was like that I, I had a bunch of drinks right before the show that night in Switzerland and then I was like, Oh, by the way, I have a show in, in in Belgium tomorrow and I'm I'm going to take a train there and miss the next whatever four days of this tour. Sorry. 
and <laughs> and I couldn't stand Which them. Which ended up eating three weeks. <laughs> Holy fuck, though, that squat was so disgusting. And I, I slept on top of a picnic table, I remember, or tried to. And there were there were like squat punks allowed to sleep in the band room. The band room's beds were made of hay and like a barn of some sort. And there were three squat punks having a, a menage a trois, as they say in in French Switzerland. <laughs> and and uh, while smoking giant cigarettes with little drips of hash in them. <laughs> I just like looking at all the like these three people having a threesome smoking cigarettes all at the same time. Oh, it was fucking awful. And they're groaning and kissing each other's that's parts. I, that's how I imagine Tom has sex, though. I imagine Tom smoking <laughs> cigarettes while having sex. Checking his Facebook. Which I think of quite a bit. Yes, we all think of you having sex, Tom. Uh, Tom, by the way, is hey, pregnant, you know, everybody. I don't, I don't feel comfortable you talking about my sexual life. <laughs> and, and, and all this time, so I'm laying on a on a picnic table, scared that that I'll catch something from a, a bed made of hay, and and right around the time that the squat shuts down their bar, underneath is was a Taiwanese Swiss karaoke spot, and I remember a guy with 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 a uh, uh, an accent I'd maybe never heard before. Um, singing Snoop Dogg's Sexual Seduction. <laughs> Very fucking loud at like 3, 4 a.m. Like how, I mean, in Switzerland, people party till the sun comes up, right? And fucking... Oh, that's Europe. That's Europe. That's yes, Europe. Europe. And uh, and those three squat punks fucking while this guy sang Sexual, sexual Seduction. And then me getting up and walking to the train at 5.30 a.m. and... and uh, and then and then I and then you and Marcus and whoever else picked me up in Lyon or wherever not Lyon uh, Lille, and we drove through that weird French Belgian border uh, that's all overgrown with the little kiosks and the, no one's there. You could you know bring anything you want over the border. Some fucking Canadian underground rapper, uh, and then uh, I don't know. We just had a good time. Yeah, it ended up being two or three weeks that you stayed, I guess. Yeah, I, call, I, I remember I emailed the, the group I was on tour with and lied to them and said I had really bad problems with my asthma and had to be in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, and I missed, like, all of the Italian part of the tour and, like, the French Alps and all that shit. But I didn't care because I was just like, fuck. <laughs> I was having fun in Belgium. I remember, I remember, I remember the last day that you did was in Paris, and we came out to see you there. And when we when we drove up the block, there was there was a, a hundred people standing by the club, and then like a hundred meters further, Patrick was sitting on like the curb, the curb was being super miserable, waiting for the show to start. With like my head in my hands, eating some sort of dumpster <laughs> dumpster fucking food mash. That the that the squat punks had made. Uh, do you remember that show? I remember that show. There was actually a lot of people at that show. It was like a like a Cuban refugee center or something. I remember some guy partying in front of me really hard, and he put a tall can down in front of me, and I football kicked it at him, and it hit him <laughs> right in his chest. It was so fucking great. <laughs> 
And then I didn't even really say goodbye. That was the end of the tour. I didn't even, I just said, hey, I'll see you guys later <laughs> to the people I was on tour with, like while they were on stage. I was just like, later, give them a little wave, and that's the last I ever heard from them. And you walked off into the sunset. <laughs> I think he might have peeled me off like 100, 100 euros, the guy, or something, and then I left. <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, yeah. So, so Tom, you have some uh, some classic Marathona dope selections you want to get into. What, what's uh, what's the first one we're gonna? Uh, yeah. Well, Nomad's new album is coming out on the 13th of October. Nomad has a Nomad has a friend of mine here from uh, Quartic, Belgium, who's been making music as long as I've been making music. We were in a band together called Came and Speak, and he started making his own weird mixture of i would say like folk singer songwriter with with like mixed with hip-hop beats um around 2006 2007 and i think this is now leading into his fourth album which is called um uh hit money which i which i was a big part of the production for yeah and then this new song is his new single which has a video which is also which you can also see online on youtube or on facebook it's called under my bed Okay, so here's uh, Check it out. Under, under My Bed from uh, the new Nomad album.
Okay, that was uh, Under My Bed uh, from the new Nomad. Um, so, uh, one thing um, that uh, might be interesting to talk about is the fact that um, there was a time when uh, underground rap made sense to do, <laughs> where people were throwing shows and, and people were listening and checking for new stuff. How do you how do you feel the the labels um, adapting to to kind of the changes and, and how do you feel like the records that are coming out on Marathon of Dope are being received? Like, do you think um, it, it's more of a labor of love at this time, or do you do you still have help, hope for for growth with the label? Uh, for me, for me, the label the re. That I started doing a lot of work for the label is because I stopped caring about selling. Um, in uh, 2008, after Patrick and me started the, the label, the first year, the website was not really that up to date. Like we we started very slow, and I went I've, at some point I went to the hospital, and I I mean I went through a, a really bad time. Also because of like the the fact that that like album sales and stuff like that were going down and like you know the end of like the whole cd sales uh the last zucchini drive record we brought out before before that time uh sold only 500 copies instead of 3000 uh with the first one just because of the bankruptcy of our distributor so the all those kind of things like kind of affect you when you're working on a record for more than a year and I think the only thing that, that you can change then is or you stop making music or you stop putting your uh, hopes up that much. So in that way, in that way, I think it's the best way to look at music is just look at it with like, uh, like find your passion back a little bit and try to go from there and see what happens and try to keep your expectations as low as possible. And from the moment you do that, everything else is, is just extra. and. The reason that we've been collecting over 7,000 email addresses over the last five, six years with Marathon of Dope, just purely from download, downloading records, is, is amazing. And I mean, we don't get any money from that, but the, the thing is, from the moment we have a new album that comes out, we already have six, 7,000 potential listeners that we can reach out to. So that's a little bit of, I mean, short explain what the platform is, is about. So. But also, on the other hand, today, like dealing with how music changed, I think under, underground rap is bigger than ever right now. Like it, it made a major comeback over the last couple couple of years uh, oh. because of mainstream mainstream acts trying to do trying to do exactly the opposite and trying to like go into more like you know conscious kind of music, which gives like an opening to workers everybody to, to to like listen more to lyrics and lyric content is more important than it was 10 years ago i have the feeling like that's my feeling you you might not agree with that but that's what i what i have the feeling when i listen to new rap so but i i think some of that is like i wonder if i wonder if some of that is happening organically or if it's or if it's in or if it's like a a false sort of response like like something like Kendrick Lamar making a record, like a main a mainstream record that's 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 more interesting, um, is is positive. But I don't know if it's I don't know if all that stuff is happening organically like it once did, 
or as just like just a response to to just how fucking foul everything is. Not that that's mm-hmm. bad, but but I don't. I just I just don't see it sticking. And and maybe Europe it's no. different, but but the I, I underground that, uh, yeah. underground rap in Canada is is at an all time low. I mean, as far as I see, I don't know, like you. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean the the amount of of acts making um, underground rap. I mean the thing is, I think I think these days people there's no there's no scene and there's no community for underground rap, right? It's so it's not like kids today are going out with the goal of making underground rap. Kids are just making rap, and then you know some of them are, are good at networking and some of them are good at playing the game and going for government grants, but there's no like scene anymore, right? So it's like isn't that isn't that, isn't that a- Music in general, though, like, is it? Do, do people still get? Do still people still tour on the back of like fans putting up shows like they used to? I don't. I don't have a feeling like that's for. I think that's an overall music thing. Like, it's just because kids are not don't have that mentality as. I mean, they have a different mentality than we used to have when it comes to like put up shows and like trying to like. I, I think that's more of a change than. I, I I completely agree with what Patrick says. It could be it could be a, a, like a, something that goes back to uh, contents all of a sudden needs to change because people are 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 tired of like guys saying how rich they are all the time, and and it could be it it could be that it's that. But on the other hand, that's also a positive thing because it, it leaves an opening for people who have who have done this forever to actually like come back with it with it with something and like be relevant again so i i the, the way it's happening or 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 how it's happening doesn't really matter to me it's it's, it's more like if run the jewels can be the, one of the biggest rap bands in the world right now uh, i mean on the level they are it, it's only positive for acts like us to to actually get shows and stuff like that and and the way that happened doesn't really matter to me even if it even if it even if it means that we all have to start making our music and our beats with cat sounds. <laughs> I mean, but that's 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 relevant. That whole cat that whole cat record is a joke. I'm just talking about their last couple of albums. Like, yeah, you know, no, I'm joking. It's 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 not it's not my it's not my favorite LP or Killer Mike stuff. But it's it. I'm I'm on the other hand, I'm happy that at least like you know, they get a following and and. You can you can, you can actually like compare your music if you're making that kind of underground rap. Like we're not make I'm not making that underground rap in in the in the last couple of years. But people who make that kind of music have a reference to to bookers again and stuff like that to say like you know we sound a little bit like this or like that, and then people will actually know who the fuck they are. So yeah, I mean you made a good point that um, you know it used to be that um, when you would book shows, you book a tour, you had like fans who were willing to put on shows like like it, like there was kind of less of a divide between the fans and the musicians right cuz everyone was kind of working together and like just cuz you were a fan didn't mean you couldn't get involved right but you know yeah. to back what Patrick says like if if Patrick's right and this is just <laughs> this is just a temporary thing that will blow over like if there's no uh, network like that where where fans feel like they can you know, throw a show by whatever means that they're capable of. 
Um, you know, like you guys were talking about being on tour, and you, you guys were talking about playing squats and playing, what was it, the Cuban refugee center or whatever? Like, is are, are those types of shows still possible? Like, are you guys still playing those types of shows in Europe? I mean, if we play shows now, we get a hotel because it's a club that books it. When we used to play shows back in the day, and, and, and the amount of money that we get for a show didn't change, uh, we would we would sleep at somebody's couch or like you know, and that 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 happens less than it used to. And I think that that's because of fans not putting up shows that much anymore. As they, I mean, now it's more going through clubs and trying to like trying to get like decent stages, which is not necessary, but. Or maybe it's just just because we're getting old and we don't know the young kids anymore as we used to. I don't know. Could be that as well. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, that's definitely a, an issue. Like the other night, I was painting uh, this mural and and there were these young kids DJing. And then at one point, one of them is like, oh, "Are you Pips kid?" Which is which is a, which is actually kind of nice because it, it's you know as time moves on uh the young guys doing things know who 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 we we are less and less and less and and could care less even if they did which is fine but but it so it was nice that, that anyway he um he says from from a guy who who was around during the beginning of this what do you have for a 23 year old who really wants to do this what sort of advice do you have and it and i was just like well fuck like like I can't even, I can't even begin this conversation with you because it like the context of of like what you're doing and like you're trying to make a music career in 2015 as a 23 year old. Like I can't give you any advice really because the world is just so fucking different from when I was 23 or or younger, thinking that I was going to have a career in music. It's so different. And and what you and 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 the outlets you have and we had and and all of that and I'm like all I could all I could say was have fun make sure you have fun because before you know it you're going to be forty and and youth is wasted on the young and don't fucking sell out how about that one and I mean those are the only things I could really say without without having like a a fucking ten hour conversation with this kid. Um, and then I think like as an older guy, it's so easy to start ranting and getting into all these, oh, well, back when I was doing this, everything was, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, and it, and things have changed so much in 20 years that, that it's not even worth that conversation unless, unless like there's a kid I work with who's really talented, this, this 16 year old kid. And like, I'll have those conversations with him because I'm around him every day. And, and we can build that relationship and he's actually interested in in how things happened back in the day or whatever and because he wants he wants to take some of that information to build his own like his own pipeline to to becoming a musician but I feel like you, you, like back then like back in your day you were making connections with people was so important right but I almost feel like today like your most for a young artist, the most important thing to do is, first of all, self-reliance, being able to record your own shit because it's available to anyone. Uh, but also making like YouTube videos, right? Like it's more important to make YouTube videos, I feel like, than it is to play shows these days. 
Right, and and I think I mean that's a I mean I don't I don't, I don't agree with that though. That's, there, that's not true. Like playing shows, it's still super important. Well, and something that but but that's the thing with rap groups, especially is is they don't know how to play shows, and and I mean, I mean, rappers were guilty of that in our day as well, but but like when you compare. When you compare a rap group to a to a rock band or something, just generally, you know, the rap group is probably going to suck, in in most cases. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's, that's the thing. As, uh, this summer, this summer I went to this festival in London, and it was uh, it was De La Soul, um, Public Enemy. Is is uh, I mean that's that's something completely different. They were they were amazing, but uh, rather than that, like it was Ghostface and Raekwon, um, Blackstar. And then I saw Chance the Rapper, which is a, which is that young guy from Chicago, which his show was amazing compared to his other guys. Like he he had that he had a complete band with him, um, and the, the the whole show was just was just standing up to, towards. And then I had the feeling like is it because those older guys are used to doing it that simple and 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 him actually thinking like oh I have to put up a show the way a rock show is. Because in that in that way, I think it's a positive evolution. If 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 younger kids think that that they have to like actually step up instead of standing there with a disc man like we used to. <laughs> right, but I don't think there's anything wrong with playing playing off off of an instrumental. Um, it's just you have to like there. There's no one. There's no one. I mean. It, it, when we were young, there were there were all ages shows, and you and so before you're 18, 19, 21, whatever whatever bar ages, you could go and see shows, and and because of the lack of rap music, we would watch punk shows and anything that came through, and then there was like a feeling and energy that a lot of hip hop didn't have. I mean, hip hop was so young, and and I mean, we went uh, Nas played at the MTS, and we took some of the kids that we work with. And they got to see the lyrics and Naz and 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 they were also blown away, and but the they were both great. They were really great performances, and and it's like uh, just working with those kids to be like, you know, you don't stand in don't stand in one spot, you know, like put like these are your lyrics and your beats, like play it like you fucking mean it, you know, like you should be covered in fucking sweat by the end of your show. And if you're not, then then you know, you better be doing something else pretty cool. Okay, so let's uh let's get <laughs> let's get into another uh let's get into another song off uh so from, I start ranting from the Marathon of Dope uh, <laughs> yep. catalog. <laughs> Shaking my fist and, and yelling at the, the, the moon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one of one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite songs or like albums that came out on Marathon of Dope in the last couple of years was the Bird of, Bird of Prey and Grey J album, and uh, I chose I chose the first track of that. Um, it's amazing and it's like that's that's the kind of music like even if it wouldn't come out on our label, that's the kind of music that we listen to every day. So it's 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 really good it's a really good album. Okay, so uh, what's the song called? Uh, uh, good question. It's the first song of that album. I, I don't know. I don't know. Way to go! You really fucking dropped the ball. So, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know if they even have names. Okay, so here's here's a uh, Gray J and Bird of Prey on Witch Police fucking radio. Oh.
reconcile under the bridge now The fridge full With a fistful of dollars All these thoughts are wistful Park jam tapes from the last days of disco When Norrin Rad had a battle with Mephisto From crumpled paper delivered in deadpan Yin Yang shirt a rising sun on the headband The Badlands Where memory serves Venerate the written words Spark renegade nerves Pawn shop connects Horrified at the prospects An onslaught of context For tenuous concepts The just regents For us even eating Is a tough thought to grasp In amongst this hedonism Proper meridian Oblivion's daughter Brown bag a bottle of this Stygian water A brilliant mockery The prince and the papa Conduct electricity The properties of copper Live wiretap, dance floor happenstance Odd man outfield, leave it all up to chance You take the high road, it'll be considered Better form if we both meet in the middle Live wiretap, dance floor happenstance Odd man outfield, leave it all up to chance You take the high road, it'll be considered Better form if we all meet in the middle Tap dance floor happenstance Odd man outfield Leave it all up to chance You take the high road It'll be considered Better form if we all meet in the middle Live wire tap dance floor happenstance Odd man outfield Leave it all up to chance You take the high road It'll be considered Better form if we all meet in the middle So that was um, so that was Bird of Prey and Grey J off of if if and only if. So uh, for those of us in Winnipeg, you probably you probably know Bird of Prey and uh, Grey J is um, an alias of uh, Andy Rudolph from uh, Mahogany Frog, uh, Catamounts, and uh, countless other things. Um, so. Uh, okay. Talking about can I can I quickly cut in? Uh Prey is coming to Europe in um, in November. And we're gonna try to do uh, an, uh, a second part a second part uh, to uh, Cachanel. Oh awesome. Which we recorded it after, on, on one afternoon on one afternoon in Winnipeg in his uh, in his living room. But it's still one of the one of my favorite albums as well on the label, so uh, looking forward to that. Okay, so uh, one thing I wanted to, to get into, and you touched on it earlier, Tom, about how you kind of had to give up the idea or, or, or not not give up hope, but kind of change your trajectory and, and change your expectations. You kind of just got to make music for the, for the love of it and not, um, you know, not, not with some delusions of making a career out of it. So I'll ask this to, to both... Pippi and to Tom, like, where do you guys find your inspiration? Why do you keep making music? What, what is it about it? And how, how has your perspective changed? And like, is there any, any, any ever doubts about putting out records? And, and... well, uh, I... uh, well, uh, you go first. <laughs> the, I mean, it's been a long time since I, since I put out a record. 
or wanted to even. Um, and working on one right now, like I, I finally, I finally got excited about an idea. Um, uh, I haven't with that record. I haven't, I haven't put almost any thought into how how I'll market it or put it out because I really don't fucking care. And, and I think that that's important for me these days. Um, I just want to make, I base, when we started, we would make music, Tyler and I would make songs in his basement because we thought it was fun. And, and, you know, way before the internet, we didn't think any one more than five or 10 people would hear it. And then, even when people were coming to our shows, it's like, at that point, it's like only those people are hearing it. You know, it's this little time capsule that, that, that ex like explodes. And, and, um, I know I remember Rod telling me one McEnroe telling me one day about how he sent me his EP years ago and he's like, check it out. I'm going to put it out next week. And I listened to it and I was like, I emailed him back and I'm like, man, this, this, interlude is like a minute and a half and it's just you talking about skateboarding and Brandon like only f maybe three people are going to understand what that meant like any of that and and I'm like this and this and this I don't like this chorus blah 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 blah, blah. I, was, I was just you know like constructive criticism like we would help each other out with and he just emailed me back one line he's like thanks but I don't care about anything you said He's like, I'm putting this record out the way it is because it was fun to make, and and I'm gonna move on from there. And if if no one listens, I don't care. And I think that sort of freedom, when you can make music with that sort of freedom again, it's it's freeing. And um, you know, I mean, uh, the the only frustrating part of music for me these days is finding the time to write it or make it because I work seven days a week and I often work with kids making music and, and, and then I, by the time I get home at night, I just don't have the energy for it because writing lyrics takes a certain sort of focus and time commitment. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, I just don't care. And that's, I think that's important. I completely agree. When we started it, you don't have any expectations because there's nothing there. But then all of a sudden you, you get you get stuff that happens because of the right timing. And you start to hold on to like the new the newer things that go better and better and better. And at some point you like your your level your level of what you expect is 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 way higher than 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 in the beginning. And if you if you take that as a as a I mean everything changes so it's 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 better to actually like the the first a lot of people are still telling us like the first game and speak records were like the most honest records we ever made but that's also because we didn't you you, you start to compare the first records you made and then the, the the records you make after that you start to compare them to each other you you start you start to say like oh yeah we did that good and that maybe we should do a little bit more like that and people are gonna like that and you start to like. You, you start to like think in what people will like, which is the which is the worst idea for making music. You need to have like that that freedom of just like you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work out, and if it works out, it works out, you know. And and as long as you as long as you don't have, as long as music doesn't pay your bills, 
or you have that pressure on you that you're like a, a professional artist, you don't need to have that, that pressure of like trying to like look at what your audience is. So you can just do whatever you want until maybe you make it or maybe you don't make it. As long as I like doing what I'm doing and there's people who give me uh, positive feedback here and there, of course it's nice to hear positive feedback. So um, as long as you get that, it's, it's, it's fine. But even if you don't get that, you know, move on to the next project and see what happens. Like as long as you like making it, if you, if, if Patrick says, if Patrick says it takes him, he works seven, seven days a week and he doesn't have time to write, like just wait with writing until you, until you feel inspired or like have, have time to do it again. And if it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. There's no, there's no pressure behind it anymore. Like, like it used to, I mean, like, like we made ourselves believe like it used to, but it never, it never was like that. So as, as much as I like touring and, and like, you know, I remember, I remember the last Canadian tour that I did with you guys. While being while being on the road, sometimes it was completely miserable because being that long on the on the road and like going to a next show and you know and, and sometimes it went through my head like I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to I want to be at home. The moment you get back home, you kind of forget about that. It's like oh shit, I want to go back on the road. And like that was one of the best trips afterwards. Looking at it afterwards, it was one of the, one of the best trips. One of the most amazing nature I've seen in my life as well. Yeah. But you forget about it when you're on the roads. Which, well, is, which is weird, and I think that's something getting older is, is, is a big part of that. That tour made me not want to ever go on tour again. I it's mean, like, fuck this. Like, what am I doing? I need to I need to get a job that has a reliable check. And, like, like I'm, I'm driving myself crazy with this shit. I have a job that I don't hate, and every two weeks I get the same amount of money. I know exactly how much money I'm going to have all the time and I can and like I can pay my rent and my bills on time now which is the first time in my life and and the the uh, like how relative that becomes to my mental health is such a it's such a an obvious correlation where when I can't pay my my rent and my bills and all that shit I'm going out of my mind and I'm depressed and fucked up in the head and and that spirals into all this other bad shit and then I destroy my my life and my body and everything around me and it's like oh if I'm just like it's because of the anxiety that comes with not being able to like cover your debts and your and your your bills and things right and and then yeah and then with but then also with that with that sort of comfort you know I mean you 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 know you lose out on on parts of life like tour and stuff but then it just wasn't fun for me anymore I, I i remember i remember like when marcus and me started touring and in europe we would stay in a squad for like a week before we have the next show but i i can't i can't even imagine that that i would be able to do that at this age like i, fucking I mean kill myself. things have changed but I, I wouldn't be able to be away for a week and just just sit in some fucking random squad I had, how much fun as much fun as it, as it was back in the day, I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Okay, so um, that that brings up that brings us to um, a good segue to the next song we're gonna play. Because on the last time you were in Canada, um, the three of us ended up making a record called um, the Sugar Pill Gang. So uh, that's another record that came out on Marathon of Dope. So we'll play play a song off of that. Um, so, so uh, Tom, do you want to tell us a little bit about how this record got made, if if you remember? I don't. Uh, I remember. 
one of the best evening, evenings we had in, in Winnipeg when I was there, I mean, that's my opinion, is uh, when we were staying, at, when we were at your house or at your girlfriend's house, I think. Yeah. And you were playing us that those... And we, we ended up staying up to like six in the morning. You guys ended up freestyling over all those beats. <laughs> I mean, the, the most ridiculous stuff. Don't remember. You don't remember that? <laughs> I do. I do, because it was, it was at, at Amanda's parents' house. And then we got woken up in the morning by Amanda's brother coming in with like yeah, yeah. a film crew or some shit. Like... <laughs> it was super random. And, and, and I think Patrick was sleeping somewhere where he was not allowed to sleep. And uh, like... Oh, so, you know, there were people all over. We were sleeping all over the house in Rob's grandma's grandma's, grandma's room. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, and, <laughs> and after that, it took us. I think. I think it took us like a year and a half to actually get that record together. But yeah. uh, it ended up. It ended up nice. Like Peter. Peter, a uh, good friend of mine here, played some drums on it. It's all based on on instrumentals that you made, and uh, we ended up like changing some stuff here and there. Um, we worked with Greg McPherson on one of the songs. We worked with Gruff, with uh, Nomads, with, with, with Yai, with a bunch of other people in there as well. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I, it's, it's a really good record. And I hope we can make another record like that in the future, so. Yeah, okay, so this is uh, Ooh Ah off uh, the Sugar Pill Gang record. Baby, baby, ooh, baby, baby, ah. What I really wanna say is I don't wanna die. Baby, baby, ooh.
that was uh, that was ooh ah from the uh, Sugar Pill Gang record, which is uh, me, Rob Crooks, Pipskid, and uh, Tom the Heater, aka Speed Dial Sevens, <laughs> a half of Zucchini Drives. Um, so yeah, you've been listening to uh, Witch Police Radio. We're about to uh, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, pretty soon here but um yeah we've been playing songs from the marathon of dope uh catalog um for the whole episode um there is some stuff coming up uh, i know pipskid you're working on um a new record called uh, eat crow do you want to you want to tell us a little bit about uh your new record that you have coming up uh well rob uh, it's produced by a guy named Rob Crooks. Oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> Sounds interesting already. <laughs> and, you got me at Rob Crooks. <laughs> and uh, I don't know when it's going to come out. This whole podcast has just been a huge circle jerk, eh? Like, yeah. Uh, just, I don't even know, like, what's the point of this? <laughs> anyways, go ahead. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come out. I went to Grand Forks for a week by myself, and, got, and that's where the writing got started. I need another one of those weeks. There's fuck all to do there. Yeah. I don't know anyone there, and alcohol is cheap. Isn't there the Mall of America? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's in Minneapolis. No idea. I think the Mall of America is probably bigger square footage-wise than, than Grand Forks. Is that where you bought that shirt? There's not even a strip club in, in Grand Forks. Isn't there it's, something like that in Grand Forks? No. A Target. There's a Target. Uh, maybe not even that. Jesus. It's a, it's a dump, and it's a nice dump. I like it there. So why do you... So so you, you go to Grand Forks just to get away? Is there something, I mean, other than it being a dump, like there's lots of, you could go to Transcona, it's pretty shitty there too. Like, why do you, why do you go to Grand Forks to, to write? Just go, you know, get out of, get out of my head, get out of my, because I think if you're in your, in, in you're in your city and you're, it's just, you get trapped in these things, you know, it's like work will find you, your life will find you. And it's, it's, it's just nice to like, because you're in America, you got to put your phone in airplane mode, or it's going to cost nine hundred dollars your bill, and uh, just sink into another world. So you, I laid around. I I drank endless amounts of whiskey. I would I would often get my supper from the vending machine near <laughs> near the pool in the motel, Jesus. and I would lay naked. In the giant bed with candy wrappers and everything around me, it just lived like a disgusting, sounds like, sounds like disgusting pig. Yes, exactly. Sounds like what? Ma- Mala, Spain. Oh, so what? What? Uh, like, what kind of stuff do you do in North or in uh, Grand Forks when you're not in your hotel room? Like, do you leave your your motel room? Or? Oh yeah, I go for walks, drives. It took me a day and a half to find the that uh, eighth inch to quarter inch adapter. Right. I went to about 15 different places, uh, and uh, I needed it to do demos because I forgot one. Oh, Remember when we almost didn't get to record like five songs, Tom, on Christmas Day because we couldn't find a headphone adapter? Yeah. Same sort of situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyhow, the the record is about um, sort of loosely about things people put in their mouths. 
People put a lot of things in their mouths. Or how th- or sometimes accidentally things get in people's mouths. Uh, food. So, you know, food, things like that. And uh, uh, just based around that. that. And my grandma, my grandma sent me an email about how she had to move. She had to move to this town she didn't want to because she moved into a senior's apartment. And uh, she said, you know, I never said I would move there. But sometimes you just have to eat crow. Mm. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, man, that's a fucking great idiom. And uh, it's relevant to... Uh, Is that just like you got to eat your words? Or? Yeah, I mean, you sometimes you just got to... Sometimes you just got to eat your own shit. And, right. And like, you, sometimes you just... Sometimes you were wrong or sometimes you fucked up or... You know, sometimes you just have to... You just have to, you know, go out... You know, might might not want to leave the house. You gotta go leave the house, and you got people are gonna throw throw crap at you. Just keep going. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, the yeah, I don't know. And when I before when I said I don't care about making music, I mean in the sense that I just feel freer and don't care. I definitely care about the music I'm making, and I think I'm making some of the best music I've made. Which is why it takes so fucking long. So, like, you... Because we were... One thing I kind of wanted to get into before, but I don't know if we really touched on it. Like, where do do you find inspiration now? Like, if you're not... um, You know, if you're not worried about the fans and you're not worried about, you know, outdoing your last record. (laughs) If you're not worried about those millions of fans who are anticipating his album. (laughs) But like, what do you like? Like, where do you find inspiration? Like, what what inspires you to to drive to Grand Forks and spend a week there getting? I mean, obviously, it sounds like a paradise to me, but but maybe not is, to everybody. So, like, what 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 makes you still want to do that? Well, uh, I think I think when you've been making music for when you've been making music for over half your life. It's this. I mean, I mean, being creative is a necessity to to existing and for me and and uh and and a lot of that has been focused into visual art lately but i uh, but it, but like and i i think when you're making something for so long you can get in these little slumps and then and then you 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 f- like for me anyway i can fully believe that i'll never be able to write another song again in my life I know that was happening during Sugar Pill, and I don't think a lot of the stuff that that came out of me was my best. And I was just like, "Shit, man! Like I'm done." And then years pass, and I haven't written anything that I like. And then going to Grand Forks to like, I was able to clear all that crap out, and then start writing things that that I was happy with. And it's like, oh yeah, you you know, yeah, you just get out of practice. But it's like, uh, yeah, okay. I can still do this. Right. And, you know, my girlfriend is like, oh, man, you suck. Why would anyone want to listen to that crap? And she thinks she's, like, getting getting one in on me. But I totally agree with her. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm – I'm uh, when I listen to my demos that I sent you guys, I'm like, oh, man, who the fuck would want to listen to this? But in terms of, like, Pipskid songs – they sound like Pipskid songs. Right. Still can't understand why anyone would want to listen to that. But you know, when you write a, when you write a good verse and you and you put it down, it's like you know there's a satisfaction there. 
Yeah. And you're building something. I think ultimately what I've always loved so much about music is, which is why I don't understand why people don't make albums anymore, things like that, where it's like, I love putting the full package together and, and I love, I love, I love sitting and sequencing it and I love, I love the production of it and, and, uh, album art and, and, and I love putting songs together from that record into a live show and presenting them in a, in a way that's exciting and interesting. And I love all those parts of music and, and because it's a project it's you're not just making some fucking song and putting it on on YouTube or whatever. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a whole sculpture that you're building. And and to me, that's that's always been really fun. It's a fucking project. So when do you uh, do you have any idea of when you expect to have this record out? Like, are you are you still a ways away? Are you still working on it? Yeah, I need another one of those vacations, man. Okay, so it's it's not you're still going to start a crowdsourcing, <laughs> crowdfunding sort of thing for this. <laughs> uh, I don't know when it's done. Okay. I hope that it would be done by now, but uh, yeah, life, man, life. I get it. Life can get all <laughs> up in your ass. Okay, so uh, and, and Tom, so. Let's let's first talk about what what's going on with uh, Marathon of Dope. So obviously you got the the new Zucchini Drive records coming out. What what else is going on with Marathon of Dope? First, well, I, ju- we, I just put out a, a record that I found back on a hard drive uh, from two thousand and nine, which I did with uh, Mish from um, from Super Genius and uh, Elissa from Kodachrome, uh, which is called We Got the Monies. And that came out early this month. Uh, then uh, beginning of October is uh, Nomad's new record, uh, which is called uh, Hit Money. It's coming out the 13th of October, and then uh, the 3rd of November, the first EP for Zucchini Drive, Charlotte's Basement, is coming out. Uh, we're doing some shows around that early November, both uh, Nomad and Zucchini Drive in Europe. And then um, the second EP is for uh, January, and in the meantime, I'm working on a project um, which has the, I mean, which for now is called Pizza, and has uh, all you guys involved. I hope to get everybody on the label involved. So it's going to be some sort of like marathon of dope thing with uh, different verses from different people and try to tie them together into one coherent uh, project. I mean, the whole idea comes from Marcus and me having a pizza named after us in Kortwijk. There's a, you have there's a pizza a named after in, you? In the pizzas. There's a pizza zucchini drive here somewhere in a restaurant that they, that they sell. And the, the idea What's is coming from that, so I don't know. What's we'll, on this we'll pizza? See. Eggplant. <laughs> What's on your zucchini drive pizza? Yeah. No, it's, uh, there's zucchini, there's zucchini on it, mushrooms, and tomato sauce and mozzarella. That's it. <laughs> mozzarella. There's, there's tomato sauce <laughs> on a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, anyway, and, uh, I hope to put out uh, new records by uh, Europe, uh, Bird of Prey, and uh, a bunch of other people I've been in touch with. I hear Ness is also working on a record. He doesn't know what to do with that yet, so we'll see what happens. Okay, sounds good. Very exciting stuff. So, um, so yeah. where where can people uh, find out about the label, about Zucchini Driving, about uh, Tom DeHeater in general? 
www.maartenofdoop.com is the main thing. And then facebook.com slash maartenofdoop. Okay, you're you're, kind of cutting up there. I think you said said marathonofdoop.com. Yeah, something like that. Okay, and... uh, And, and the email address, the email address is info at maritimeofdope.com. If anybody is interested to sending demos or anything like that, uh, go ahead. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Pipskid, where can people uh, keep up with you? Uh, you can't, man. I'm too quick. Yeah, where, can I, where can I keep up with you? Fuck, I'm a, I'm a ghost, man. <laughs> people can go fuck off is what they can do. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, this was uh, Witch Police Radio. You can uh, find us at uh, our Twitter's at Witch Police FM, I think. Uh, the website is uh, Facebook, or no, there's witchpolice.com, then there's facebook.com slash uh, Witch Police Radio. Uh, this has been your irregular host, Rob Crooks. You can find me at Rob Crooks or facebook.com slash Rob Crooks Music. Um, the website. They can also find you at the Pipskid page because you run that. www. <laughs> dot, dot, uh, robcrooksdiamonds. dot com slash opulence. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And oh yes, uh, Tom, what song are we going out on? A complete, a complete new unreleased Nomad. Okay, so here's a here's a new un- unreleased Nomad song. What's it called? He's he's all frozen. Yeah, you're frozen too. Okay, what's it called? What's the Nomad song called? Unfrozen Caveman. <laughs> what? <laughs> what's the Nomad song called? <laughs> Mama. <laughs> okay, so here's Mama by Nomad <laughs> off the upcoming Nomad record. Thanks for listening. Which police radio?
What's wrong with you?